This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Quark, Episode 7. Starnote, to clear my mind, I have decided to take a walk in space. Why, why do I have the feeling that was a big mistake? <laughs> Further, Starnote. This is the worst holiday number 11 I ever had. <laughs> Addition to further startup. I'm floating away! <laughs> Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast wishing you and yours a joyous holiday number 11. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? You ruined my what's real because I was going to make a, a 11 a joke as well. Holiday 11. What a treat. I am so happy that we got to watch a Christmas episode. Do you think if the show went on, they would have had all the holidays covered or all their weird number holidays? I mean, I can only assume maybe each each holiday episode would be just a different number holiday. Yeah. Do you think it was supposed to be what happened to Christmas or do you think it's just it just looks like Christmas? No, I think that's I think that's the gag is that like they all, all holidays just they became so indistinct they just got numbers so fox news was right it was a real Warren christmas, christmas is real yeah it was real and it all be they all became numbers i i, I think i think that's what this is predicting yeah. <laughs> it's a very political show quark all right before we get into it though this is our final episode of quark we took the escape pod mm-hmm. i'm still sad about it and before we leave though i think we agreed that we should uh remake quark as a uh major motion picture blockbuster yeah for for 2019 cork is back the the fans were like we just that the eight episodes or whatever did weren't enough all right let's let's do this i want to ask you though we don't have to commit to one thing or another but Mm -hmm. when you were casting this did you imagine here i imagined it as a like big budget space action movie sort of uh sort of along the lines of like like a little blue collar like aliens but more of a fun adventure no I, i thought the same thing it would be like a fun space adventure that's got humor in it yeah, I didn't. I didn't do it as a straight comedy, so I was curious if you would have gone that way. No, no, no. These th- these are all the the cream of the crop actors here. Great. Well, let, let's let's start. Let's start with Quark. Our first. Who who are we recasting Quark as? As per with all of these, I'll just say I have two suggestions for all of them. Great. I I only have one, so that'll give us three options. Three options. Okay. Well, I'll give you my first, then you give me one, and then I'll give you another one, and then we'll see what works. So my first one. I don't know if it quite works, but for some reason, he was the first person that popped into my mind when I was recasting, which is Ewan McGregor. Oh, interesting. That's not bad. That's not bad. All right. So for my pick, I went a little bit maybe on the nose. Mm-hmm. You'll have to tell me what you think. I hope this is someone who has a big, big nose. That's what I'm hoping because you're making some sort of pun. <laughs> some sort of pun. No, I went with Sam Rockwell. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, my, my second pick is, is similar. Mine's Simon Pegg. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're in the same kind of ballpark there, with the exception of Ewan McGregor, who's who's a bit of a dark horse. But what what are you feeling? I'm, I think any of these gentlemen can, uh, could carry cork shoes. I like Simon Pegg when you said it. I was just like, that's probably the most in line with the character. Okay, that's good. I mean, he's our man. Great. I think it's a good start here. Let's uh, move on 
And I don't know why I put him as number two because I guess he's second in second in commandish. I guess not exactly. I went with Ficus. Who who do you want to pick for Ficus? All right, I got two people again. My first, I'm really going with that straight laced, uh, no nonsense kind of person. I think he has a good face for just delivering straight lines. Hugo Weaving. Oh, that's pretty good. I had a lot of trouble with this one because he is kind of a straight man in and just like not. There's not a lot going on there. But I wanted someone who can deliver just like Spock-esque lines mm-hmm. with a straight face. But I, I swung a lot bigger. I think it should be Tom Hanks. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm going to give you my third person, but we're not going to beat Tom Hanks. My next choice was Gary Oldman. Oh, pretty good. Which was just different, but I, we can't beat Tom Hanks. So that's it. Great. Tom Hanks it is. I, I do like the idea of Simon Pegg and Tom Hanks headlining this. Finally, it, we, the fans have been clamoring for it. They're finally together. This collaboration they've been mm-hmm. dying to do. Who, who do you have third there? All right, I've got uh, I've got Gene slash Gene. Right. Which is obviously where we get into some of the more complicated 2019 casting. Yeah, uh, and I, I thought about this. And I have a feeling that you probably at least picked one uh, woman for this role. I picked two men just to keep with tradition of what the show is, but I think you can go either way. So who, who did you pick? Well... I, I did put a lot of thought in this, too, because I was just like, I'm not going to do... I don't want to do what they did in the show, which is just, like, awful. You couldn't do it in 2019. Like, it's it's bad. It's well, so could. problematic. You could do it, but it would be well, a bad decision. If, if uh, yeah, yeah, if Fox News puts out its own movie channel. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, it... So I decided I'm like, I, you know, I think we talked about this a bit, the idea, like, is this character insulting to trans people? Who, like... Who is it most insulting to kind of thing? And I actually was thinking about it. I'm like, it's not really a trans character. Like, it's not a person who was assigned the wrong sex at birth. So I realized what I kind of wanted to do with it is actually find a non-binary actor, someone who'd identify as they, them. Hmm. Because I think that maybe if I'm going to try to rectify the problem with this character, I'm going to try to like, it probably is not going to be a person who's two sexes. It's just going to be maybe a non-binary person. That's why I decided to go with, which is a long explanation to say, I picked Asia Kate Dillon. Uh, they're a non-binary actor, so you know they them is the 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 nomenclature they use in John Wick three. They they play the adjudicator, which is I, I don't think you've seen it. No. And then they're also in a Billions and um, Orange is the New Black. Anyway, that that's how I decided to address that issue. So that's who I picked. You know, what? I think you did a better job than I did. So let's just go with yours. I think that's a better way of modernizing a problematic at best character fair enough fair enough um all right well let's move on let's let's go to the let's go to the bettys which again more problematic but uh <laughs> in a different way in a different way and i'll be honest i i approached this one maybe a little straighter i was just like who are our greatest twin actors oh see you went with twins i just went with um an actress who's gonna have to do both roles oh interesting i i decided to go with twins so do you want do you want to start us with your choices and i'll i'll surprise you with my twins I picked for the first one, although I think maybe at this point in her career, she's a little beyond it, which was Anna Ferris, just because I think she seems like an actress who is all game for all silliness, you know? Yeah, you're seeing the house bunny here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you have a second pick? Yeah, and I think, again, uh, if, if you're swinging for Tom Hanks, I'm swinging for uh, Jennifer Lawrence in the role. All right, sure, why not? She's never going to do it. Yeah, yeah. This is the this is her. Uh, this is the thing she drops out of immediately. Yeah, exactly. I, as I said, went with twins. I was like, who is our twin actors who are in the right age range that exist right now? It's tough to do. 
but uh, I went with Cole and Dylan Sprouse. I don't know who they are, but sure. Uh, they were child actors together. Uh, mm-hmm. They had like the sweet life of Zach and Cody, and they were in Big Daddy. Oh, those kids. Yeah, yeah, okay. But the one, uh, I, uh, Dylan Sprouse, I believe, is now on Riverdale as Jughead. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the, the kids love him. Yeah, they, they've they kind of grown up in a little bit of like, they're, they're very, like, that's the thing. They're kind of hot. They're mm-hmm. like, they, they're, they're young. Uh, and I, I think the reversing, reversing the gender roles and having them as kind of like the, the dumb, the dumb twins. And so, uh, are, is their name going to remain the Bettys? Um, I was trying to figure it out. They might be the Bernies. I'm not sure. We, we'll, we'll figure that out in the writing room. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's once we figure out that's this script's goal. That's the only problem we have. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you want, do you want to, do you want twins or do you want an actor doing double duty? No, no. I like the Bernies. Great, great. I I was just like, how can we not have twins again? No, no, you're you're right. I, I think this was probably too much to ask of uh, you know, an Oscar winning actress anyways. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our robot Andy. I guess this is probably just a voice role. So I have a weird uh a weird one for you. The first person I picked for Andy was Sam Rockwell. Oh I was wondering if we'd have crossover with Sam Rockwell somewhere in here. It just, you know, he feels like the kind of actor you put in this kind of space. I know. Isn't that funny? But uh, we picked him for two different roles. So basically, he's done the audition for one of the directors like, no, 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 no. You're Andy. You're more of an Andy, I think. Yeah. Who is your pick? I, because a big thing of I like about Andy the Android is uh, kind of what a coward he is and kind of how snivelly he is. I tried to I tried to pick someone who might like be able to bring that to the role. I went with jason alexander jason alexander what an odd odd pick well i want him to have that cow like that cowardly lion kind of uh thing that he has on the show right now and i just felt like an ai with jason alexander's personality is just like such a i've never seen that like robot walking around before so we've got a we've got a uh, a robot george costanza is what you're envisioning oh a little bit a little bit okay well before we decide my second pick because again, we were talking about this is just the voice. This person's just coming into the booth. They're nailing, and then they're they're walking home in their sweats. Exactly. Christoph Waltz. Interesting. Interesting. I just think he has a unique voice, and I think he'd be a voice you know right away, and maybe he could do a little bit with that role. But I, I, uh, as usual, whatever you think, I'm I'm fine with it. I I mean, I don't hate the idea of Christoph Waltz's voice for a cowardly robot. I think there's something like weird and scary but funny about that we could do a christoph waltz all right and you know he, he he'll take anything <laughs> he, he'll just he's happy to be there yeah exactly all right so this is uh as per usual shaping up to be quite the cast all right you want to move on to palindrome course, the guy yeah. who runs uh perma one mm-hmm. two picks again my first one is steve carell oh yeah oh yeah that could work Mine, I, I, mine's a real deep cut. I was having a lot of trouble with this character because he's both like mildly endearing, but also like such a little weasel that you kind of want to hate. And I was trying, mm-hmm. trying to pick an actor who I've seen do that recently. <laughs> and I went with uh, Timothy Simmons, who you'll only probably really know if you watch the show Veep. Oh, yeah. He played Jonah Ryan. Right, right. Well, you really went for Weasley, huh? Yeah, I just like the idea of him handing out assignments and also just being kind of like likable but very unlikable at the same time it's funny you saw it that way because i went more i think into the the, likable category because my second pick is bill murray oh wow bill murray now that would be like everyone loves palindrome you know 
Yeah, Palindrome is like the most likable man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if that's what we're going for, then Bill Murray. But if you want him to be unlikable, then I think your pick is, is the one. Steve Carell could work. All right, let's go with that. Yeah, Steve Carell, I think, I think you could, I think that's a nice mix of like the star power that you need, but like still kind of keeping him on the like, he could be a bad boss. Luke, this movie does not need any more star power. You can't have enough star power. It, it, this is already a hundred million dollar movie. Believe me, because we're about to cast the head. Oh yeah, I get, I got two, uh, two grumpy guys for this. Oh, interesting. Who, who do you got? First one, I love, but you may not agree with me. Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> I, I, I mean, sure, he's a little craggly faced, but sure. Yeah, I mean, don't you want to see Tommy Lee Jones with a gigantic, like, round head? I, I yeah, I could watch that. Yeah, he still has the big, long, droopy ears. I don't know. Tommy Lee Jones has really large ears, if anyone hasn't noticed. (laughs) I've picked him before. I think I've picked him often. But I really love the idea of just his head being in the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Rock. (laughs) You know what? It's pretty funny. We have picked him before. I think at least once we've picked The Rock before. That is a pretty funny uh, choice and definitely would change the, uh, the dynamic of what the head is. I um, like that that muscly voice coming out of just like with the, without the body though. It's just like he still has a muscly voice, huh? I'd say so. I think if you saw him without a body, you'd be like, mm, I still wouldn't want to fight him. I think no matter what, the head is stunt casting. It's just like you know he's only in for a couple scenes, but you want the audience to be like, yeah, yeah. And so me being apparently um seventy five years old, my my second pick was Michael Caine. Michael. Caine. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I just I like the idea of him giving giving orders in his his lovely voice. They're both. I think you're right. They're both equitable. Those are both equitable choices. I think between Tommy Tommy Lee Jones, yeah, and Michael Caine. I kind of like The Rock though. It's pretty funny. I do like his giant already bald head, but then you just like spike it up a little. Yeah, I think we should go with The Rock. All right, let's do, let's do The Rock. People will definitely cheer when they see him. Yeah, who's who's uh, directing this masterpiece? Okay. Um, I have perhaps an, 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 an unorthodox choice, but I actually think he's the perfect man for this kind of like blue collar world they live in. Okay. What's it going I think he'd capture the spirit of it the best. I'm proposing director of a star is born Bradley Cooper. (laughs) Really? That's the choice, huh? Bradley Cooper, I think would knock this out of the park. Really? No, I didn't watch that because um, uh, I value my time too much. But uh, it's I've an never interesting seen it. choice. Yeah, none of us, no one's seen it. The the choice I picked. Now I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, so you have to correct me. Take Waititi. Is that how you pronounce his name? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I thought. I thought everyone will just be funny all the time. I mean, he did it for Thor three, so yeah. I mean, he could do it here. Yeah, but you but you think Bradley Cooper? Huh? The intensity I, of Bradley Cooper. I think Bradley Cooper brings an unintentional gravitas to everything that will be very funny <laughs> sure sure let's do it so but i have i have one surprise for you oh a surprise which is you're going through all these names you know we've got all these people who do we got we got simon Pegg as quark we've got whoever those two twin heartthobs as as the other Bettys and all those people and then you're like how could this cast get any better and then you get a blank screen and special appearance by playing ob mud jeff bridges Oh, yeah, 100%. Right. I mean, Obi Mudd looks exactly like Jeff Bridges does right now. Yeah. It's just, it's, he just comes out. Obi Mudd's only in a scene because he's not, you know, he's not canon anymore. He just kind of shows up for the, for the true diehard fans that, you know, really appreciate Cork. Yeah. He, he like drops off Andy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you're like, yeah, Jeff Bridges. And, and then he's off. 
He's just in an eye patch. He's basically playing the dude, and he walks away. <laughs> exactly. So do you want to do a quick rundown of who we have in this movie? All right. Let's see if I can remember them all. Quark is played by Simon Pegg. Mm-hmm. Ficus is Tom Hanks. <laughs> That's great. Gene is Asia Kate Dillon. Yep. The Bettys or Bernies are Cole and Dylan Sprouse. Mm-hmm. Andy is, you're going to have to remind me. Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz. Thank you. Palindrome is Steve Carell. Right. The head is The Rock. <laughs> I love that. It's The Rock and, and, uh, and Tom Hanks in the same movie. Oh, what a movie. Yeah. And then, of course, a special appearance by Obi Mudd, Jeff played Bridges. by Jeff Bridges. Yeah. And, and directed with searing intensity by uh, Bradley Cooper. Oh, so much. It's going to be just like smoldering the whole movie. Yeah. What, what a movie, yeah. Huh? And, and this, is, this is what, a $200, $300 uh, a million dollar movie? Yeah, if if not more, if this not might more. be the first billion dollar movie. Billion dollar movie. They they went through just whatever was available in the vault, and they said no one has redone Quark. No one, and and here we have it. This is the movie that sinks Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Warner Brothers who's doing it. I don't know. Sure, why not? It's a Disney at this point. Disney will just own everything. <laughs> All right. Should we should we get into this final episode now, Jordan? Yeah, the final episode. Here is the IMDb summary for episode 7, Vanessa 382436. It's so 70s, huh? It's a joyous holiday number 11. Holiday or not, Quark is told by the head that he's going to be the subject of his latest experiment. And that was courtesy of H. Piley Pie. Uh, you know what? I don't think we're ever going to hear from this person again because I'm assuming they only ever watch Quark. But uh, thanks for all those uh, incredibly long synopsis over the uh, last couple weeks. It's true. They've been very um, editable. Yeah, very comprehensive. Well, as we mentioned, we're, we're starting a pseudo-holiday episode, which so much fun to see a holiday episode on a show. I don't realize how much I enjoy them until I start watching them. I can remember this and one other holiday episode from shows we've watched, which was Space Above and Beyond. Has there been other ones? I think that's been it. I mean, other than maybe... No, that's, I think that's it. Yeah, they should do more of those. It is a genre that is both stupid and bad and so much fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I liked this episode. <laughs> All right, let's talk about what we see on Perma 1 to denote that it is a holiday number 11. Everyone's hanging holiday number 11 uh, decorations around the bridge. That's right, yeah. There's the those carolers. Let me ask you, what was the joke? Because the, the joke is, as it, most of these episodes start, Palindrome's walking through the hallway and he comes to what seems to be three kind of cloaked figure aliens that are singing but the joke is that they have bad voices is that the joke well their voices are like basically electronic music like they're almost going through a synthesizer or something yeah i think that's the joke is because he he compliments them on what a great rendition of it is but like we the audience cannot tell what on earth they're doing the humor of cork is subtle it's very subtle i did like the aliens though because yeah they're all in red gowns with all red faces and big bug eyes they're very very weird looking aliens and uh, i should say in this episode Quark's got a great uh, silver bomber jacket in this now. And I don't remember him having that before. Oh, um, I maybe picked it up in the canon in one of the other episodes. Yeah, maybe. Because he was always wearing that like sort of shirt with the epaulets. And this one, it's like a silver jacket. I'm like, ooh, futuristic. True. And uh, somebody wants to give Palindrome a holiday number 11 gift. Is it Dink? You know what? You'd think it is because it looks exactly like Dink. It's not. I think they said Duke, didn't they? His name is Duke. So everyone, everyone in whatever this species is, this this cousin it esque species, they just have a name that starts with a D, and it kind of sounds like Dink. It's true. Uh, he looked a little different, I thought too. He looked like a little more like a carpet, 
and less like Cousinette. You know what he had? He had slightly crimped red hair mixed in with the brown. Mm. And it's kind of the first time we ever saw a close-up, but it was funny. I'm like, is this Dink's brother, Duke? You would think they all look alike. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, th- I think he's just the same species. Yeah. The, the episode really starts off, though, as Quark arrives for his usual classic mission briefing, which is, you know, clearly the engine of the show is two other commanders show up. They both get better gigs and Quark gets a crappy gig. Yeah, except for the second episode. Yeah, except for the second episode where they didn't draw a follow formula we didn't know they had. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I don't remember. What did the other two people get? They they always get like very odd uh, missions, but he Quark's always very envious. It's weird. Uh, one of them basically gets assigned to the UGSS-10, which is like the, um, like the best ship in the galaxy. Like she's getting assigned to the greatest ship that's ever existed. Right. And then... Which isn't really a joke, but at least the first guy, like, there's kind of a joke to his story. Is like, he gets back and the head's like, hey, I know that uh, I pulled you away on the night of your honeymoon to go on a two-year mission. That's right. But you get to go home to see your wife after two years. Yeah. Which is almost a joke. But Palindrome kind of keeps teasing um, Cork. He's like, I know you always get the worst gigs. We're going to give you a really good one. And like, he just keeps saying it over and over and Quark's like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you're going to get the best one yet. I've saved the best for last. You really earned it. We're real buddies now. And what does he give him? He gives him uh, the opportunity to be the subject of the head's latest experiment. And he doesn't want to be an experiment. You know, he doesn't want to be a part of these experiments. Quark, Quark's after did, did you catch uh, the last experiment that uh, Quark took it was involved in for the, for the head? No. What was it? It was testing gravitational properties of wheat. <laughs> you know, that's pretty funny. And he's not he's not too happy to have to do another experiment. Yeah. But we get to see the experiment when uh, we, we get to see their ship in dry dock in what has to be the worst miniature work they've ever done in this series. <laughs> yeah. And they've done some bad miniature work. It was it was the least saleable. Like it looked like a child had built something out of Lego. Well, you know what? They don't have time. They're, they're putting all their money into the writers uh, pumping out these jokes. It's true. And I can't, I don't even know why they needed, they felt the need to show us the ship in dry dock. Like it could have just been in space still. Yeah. I don't know. They just, they need it. Well, why do they need to keep showing us the same shot of uh, the ship uh, taking garbage in over and over and over? Because it's the best. It's it's the highest production value. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the person we meet is Dr. Cheryl Evans, mm-hmm. head of all computer development for the United Galaxy. 